Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I am Kyle Chambers with Texas Quality Assurance, and we are again today joined here by uh, Caleb Adcock. And Caleb, you've got kind of a fun idea for uh, for today's episode. So everybody's heard of the Stanley Cup, and I'm not talking about the Stanley Cup. I'm talking about Stanley Cups. You know, when it first came out, I thought that this was like intentionally some kind of a joke against like hockey. Yeah, I kind of thought did. this like was like a, like some like hockey thing. I had no idea for a long time. But I think that shows how cheesy we are that we thought that that was the case, but. <laughs> Okay, so what what is it about this uh, Stanley Cup? Like, what, what's why are we talking about it? It's just it's just a cup that's apparently like expensive. Yeah, so it's it's no longer a cup; it's now an accessory. Everybody knows that. Um, oh, but how? No one. <laughs> yeah, so people are people are people are probably asking, how does this talk about quality? And and so one of the things that I wanted to touch on and, and I've had kind of in my head recently is the perception of quality. Okay. And, you know, the, the cups have come from the joke is my, uh, my father-in-law still has his original green Stanley cup from the seventies that he took to work. Um, you know, and, and what, what all these construction workers would be thinking now to seeing all these, uh, pastel colors and, and everybody carrying around these, these Stanley cups. So, yeah. um, it, and one of the things that I've kind of seen is, um, you know, just the, you see the cups, it's, I don't know, you know, they've kind of reinvented themselves and, and they've added a few features, but essentially it's the same technology, you know, it's, it's the insulated cup and the, and the steel and, um, now, so now, like, wait, wait, this is going to show how little I know about any of this. So like Stanley, this isn't new. No, nineteen fourteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, this is how cool <laughs> I am. I thought this was like a new thing. I thought they were coming in trying to like outdo everyone else. <laughs> so here is the Stanley Cup. They proudly say, and that's a terrible camera, but um, yeah. made since 1913. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, you see these and you're like, well, what's changed? Why the big push? Why the... You know why? Why is Stanley the manly now? I guess you could say, and <laughs> um, when it's essentially the same, you know. And and I think that one of the things is the it's the perception of quality. And I'm not saying that they're not quality, but people see yeah. these things, and and I think that they even had a couple videos of of I think there was a lady, and we'll we'll touch on this in a in a minute. But like there was a lady that had her car catch on fire, and um the Stanley cup survived and the, the ice was still in there. Apparently if, if I'm remembering right. Um, so that, that video went viral. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk a little bit today about how, um, you know, companies can use the perception of quality uh, to really market their brands. Um, you know, there's a, 
there's something to be said for the packaging and the way something looks. And, and then when people see it, they instantly think, oh, that's dang, that looks good. Or, you know, that's good quality rather than not packaging your product or not, you know, uh, marketing your product correctly and, and having it come off, even though it does it, its job perfectly. And it's a well, it's, you know, good price, but it just doesn't yeah. look good. So no, I, that's kind of how I want to tie in today. No, it's a good point. I, um, Okay, so very different example here, but you know me, I'm a little screwball with my examples sometimes. Um, you know, we moved out to the country a couple of years ago, which means I'm constantly having to buy new tools that I have never used and do things I've never done. Like, I've, I've done trainings on safety for grinders, but I've never actually owned an angle grinder myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I had to go go buy one. And, you know, initially I was like, okay, well, I want to make certain I get something good. And so I did the research, found what I needed. Of course, I, I didn't check to make sure that I had enough air capacity for my air compressor. That, so that was a lot of fun. But I found a really good um, grinder because I, I wasn't really sure what the quality was or wasn't. Um, and so finally, I just said, screw it, went to Harbor Freight and found something, you know, a cheap little electric one that works just fine and dandy. But let me tell you, it don't look nearly as nice as a $300 one that I can't even use. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it is. It's so hard to know what's, what's so, not. I guess the point there is, you know, had you not done your research and, you know, found the one you want based off of reviews and all, let's say you just went to the store and you looked at that one, you know, would you have picked that one versus the other one? You know, I, I might've thought to myself, well, I better spend the $300 on one because these look like, <laughs> you know, these yeah. don't look very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's a, it's a good point. I, um, I really, I, I don't, I don't know. I, um, I think I just got so disgusted with uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to buy what is supposed to be the good products for everything. Oh yeah. And in the end, I think I really just want to, I, I'm a real tactile person, I guess. So I just want to put my hands on it. I want to, I want to hold it. I want to feel it. I want to see how rugged does it actually feel. Um, but that's a little difference, but you don't really always, always get that option. Nope. Now, have you ever, before I guess maybe we go too far into the Stanley Cup stuff, or maybe you've got a ton of questions here that you know, maybe we can go through, but is you ever bought something that you thought, oh my gosh, this looks fantastic. This looks like everything I want. The marketing is great. The packaging is great. And it is absolute dookie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Multiple times. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember something off the top of my head and it's terrible that I didn't come up with an example beforehand, but yeah, I know, you know, you go to the store or, you know, you pick the prettiest one because maybe you're in a hurry and, and, or maybe this was before the time where we could hop on our phone and look mm -hmm. into something. Um, you know, I used to actually have this theory that like, uh, <laughs> that stores would block off internet access. So you couldn't see how <laughs> bad the reviews are. But, uh, <laughs> nah, I don't think that's the case, but like, man, my internet yeah. never works in the store. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, there's definitely, we, t our eyes tend to go toward what's the prettiest. And I think that that's kind of, you know, the, per the, the perception versus reality, um, issue of quality. So like, could you take a look at your brand? Could you take a look at your product and be like, what do my customers think of when they, f what is their first impression? Yeah. Or could I pay a little bit more attention to paint or, um, you know, you've seen, for example, something that's manufactured, um, it's a whole different 
product when they throw a coat of paint on it, you mm -hmm. know, versus what you saw on the shop floor. It's got grind marks all, or, you know, got blemishes all over it and, and all kinds. Of, and then you throw some sandblaster and put some paint on it. You're like, holy cow, like some, some manufacturers never even see that product. And that's, we had that's a, well, well, I worked at the turbine shop before. Um, for anyone listening, it was, uh, I used to work for a, a shop that repaired uh, industrial gas and steam turbines. In any case, uh, uh, a lot of these turbine components are on what they call the combustion section of the turbine. Um, and that's just what it sounds like. That's the part where everything starts to burn. Oop, don't want to hit the mic there. Um, so anything's in the combustion section, like really starts to look like pretty ugly, pretty quickly right after that, you know, everything immediately following that combustion section, it just gets real ugly real quick. Um, well, and then there are these static veins that are in there that kind of reconfigure the airflow in any case, they don't stay shiny very long, right? Some of these components aren't coated, um, and they're just not supposed to be shiny. They're pretty much bare metal. And it's like, well, we don't care if it's shiny or not. It has no impact on it. But with this one customer, he wanted, when he opened the box, he wanted to see shiny parts yep. that were repaired. Had no practical benefit, no no nothing at all. He just wanted to see shiny parts. So we found some old arbitrary mill spec for, uh, for I can't even remember the details anymore too long ago, but we found this mill spec, what we would uh, blast these to, to get a certain sheen that he liked, and we called it our shiny spec. Um, it's it's just he it's what he wanted, yeah. But it really does bring the idea of quality into into question. I mean, is quality nothing but its ability to do the job? Is it the perception and how it makes you feel? Is it, or you could have totally unexpected. I think this might be where you were going, like totally unexpected perception of your product. Like someone may think because of the packaging, it's going to be awesome for this, but it really sucks at it because that's not yeah. what you made it for. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so difficult. So <laughs> it, it, the whole evolution is it, it went from, you know, this, ugly, I don't want to say ugly, but this green thermos that said Stanley yeah. on it, you know, and everybody <laughs> it because they knew it because, you know, because their buddy had it and his soup was hot at lunchtime, you know, and, and so that it kind of went around and I think people used for camping and stuff like that. It went from that to what you see now all over your dinner table. <laughs> I, I swear we, we had Thanksgiving. I, I said, you guys got to move these cups because like, I have a large family. Couldn't even put the food on the table because there's nine Stanley cups. Like what? <laughs> anyway, um, and oh my gosh, there's a story hard. behind that. Uh, and I, I was like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, where did this come from? Like what, why? Why does everybody have Stanley? Well, okay, so mostly females. Why do females have these Stanley Cups now? How did it go from men on a construction site to females, you know, everywhere? Mm -hmm. um, and I looked it up, and apparently the marketer behind Crocs is the same guy that they hired for Stanley Cup. Oh and gosh. I said, well, that makes fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, this guy is the best in the world at, at making stuff popular because who would have thought Crocs and you know uh -huh. old Stanley Cups would be would be the thing? Uh, I think his name is uh, Terrence Riley. Let me make that sure I got that right. Yeah, no Crocs. You talking about like the ugly shoe? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you know that uh, Crocs uh, first appeared on Idiocracy? They I did know Crocs because they were the most stupid looking shoe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they said, give me the goofiest looking shoe that nobody would, or, you know, that they would wear in that period or time. And like, yep, caught on. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so, do you see anything with Stanley with their advertising that would, I don't know, indicate uh, problems with quality? Like, are they more, are they saying it'll do something different than it does? I guess it really I wonder. I wonder if people care, like, to be honest, I mean, I might be getting in some trouble here, but like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I see people drinking a lot of other Stanley Cups. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, I, I, I think, you know, like I said earlier that they had that video where, you know, the person had their car catch on fire. So it's like that video, I think went viral on probably TikTok or something like that. Um, and that's been a really big push of their marketing campaign is these influencers, you know, using and, and talking about how good these cups are. And, you know, that's the the kind of cognitive biases of, um, you know, everybody's using it and everybody thinks they're good. And then before you know it, like the things are selling themselves. I mean, that's yeah. kind well, of where you want to be as a, as a manufacturer. I mean, not kind of that is where you want to be. I thought about with like all the, I don't, again, I honestly, I didn't even know if Stanley Cup had been around for a while. I'm just so out of touch with a lot of things. I, to be honest, I, I didn't either. But what really impressed me though, is like they got freaking everyone in the world talking about a cup. It's a cup. Everyone, we're doing a whole damn podcast episode. Yep. Cup. Um, yep. But I, I kind of wonder if there aren't some fun lessons to be learned for when we're trying to pitch something, a new program at work, a new way of doing things. Like, is, you've been in shops before where they have the banners plastered all over they have the wall. Zero accidents, zero injuries, zero defects, 100% customer satisfaction. I think that... You don't market it that way. Yeah. I mean, you're marketing your internal culture in that yeah. aspect you know when when you go into a shop and you see even the cleanliness of the shop you know you bring a customer in to show you know what your capabilities are at a potential sale and customers looking around there's trash on the floor um you know there's grinding shavings or you know welds like just swear the expectation of what else you're going to receive yeah yep for sure and, and with the Stanley cup like i look hold your cup up again real quick yeah now, anyone listening, obviously, you can't see it, but hey, you should go check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. It looks like a nice cup. Nothing about it looks cheap. I The plastic on top is like the only thing on it where I'd be like, um, okay, maybe, but that's still thick plastic. Like, yeah. That's a damn looking good cup, I gotta say. Yeah. I, just looking at it, I would have the expectation that it would be good quality. I'd be really ticked off if I found out that's just little eighth inch thick sheet metal and nothing else on the inside of it. Yep. Like I don't have that expectation looking at it at all. And I wonder how often, like I'm thinking about our software right now. Like I'm going to go back to my webpage now and I'm going to go to, you know, take a look at it and be like, when someone looks at this, mm -hmm. what's the expectation they get? Yep. Does that match what we're delivering? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a big consideration that maybe and guys especially might not think about, you know, it, it, you got a shop full of not saying 
only guys can be welders, but the demographics are, you know, pretty much there. Fabricators tend to be males, you know, and males oftentimes don't put a lot of thought into the details or, you know, the, the cosmetic details, I should say. Hey, you can make fun of it. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Go up on the job site with a little sparkly polka dotted cup. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what I just wanted to the perception versus reality. Like, yeah. if you're putting out a product, you need to make <clears throat> sure that the perception of your product matches the quality. Oh, I know? got a great, great example here. So, I used to do this example with pencils, but I'll talk about pencils here. But you talk about perception because that really is the first part of quality because you have to set that customer expectation. I mean, it really is customer expectation. So, I've got here again. If you're listening online, you can't see, but I got a little box of chalk here. Now, it doesn't show me the chalk pieces, but it does kind of imply the chalk pieces with what's on here. And it shows that they're all flat on the top. So one would expect that all my chalk pieces would be flat on the top. And they are. But what if you open this box? Just silly question. You open this box full of pieces of chalk, and they've all rounded off on the top and a little bit differently. You almost wonder if they've been used before. Maybe the edges are a little jagged. Yep. You'd look at that and think, uh, no, the, the box clearly shows chalk black tops. That's that's what I want. That's what I want right there. I wouldn't think this was quality after I opened it. I might think it before I opened it and I wouldn't think it after. Yep. Uh, well, and think- that chalk could be the longest lasting, best appliable oh, yeah. piece of chalk in the world. But as soon as you see those, you know, edges that aren't standard, you're thinking yeah. to yourself, well, this this product's no good. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It, I mean, because I've used pieces before where, you know, start breaking apart on everything. And again, I'm a real tactile person. So I've got a couple of chalkboards around here. Sometimes that, you know, sounds weird, but helps me think a little bit better if I can feel the chalk grinding as I, uh, as I work. Um, so I guess kind of what do you think would, uh, spur this sudden change in Stanley? Do you think they've changed the quality of their cup or just the appearance in the marketing? That's originally kind of what drew me to this. So I will say, you know, because I'm thinking to myself, is this all marketing? Did they actually change the cup? And yes, they redesigned the cup. One of the things you'll notice in the people online, I'll just have to describe this, is it has this tapered end at the bottom. Yes. You know, the, the old cups were just straight tubes. They were green. They said yeah. Stanley on them. Um, and one of the reasons, and I, I, we were talking about this before the podcast started. I didn't know about, this was, I don't know, a year or so back, two years, maybe year and a half. I don't know. We were on our way back from a road trip. And my wife's like, can you stop? I got to meet somebody. And I said, well, what? She's like, I bought some from Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, all right, sure. What is it? And she's like, it's a cup. I was like, you bought a cup on Facebook? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I'm like, it's, I don't, she's always been into the drinking cups. You know, she's always trying to find yeah. the perfect one and she likes having variety and she's, you know. Um, Is she one of the, uh, the ice fanatics? Like she knows, like not only she likes the Sonic ice, but she knows which Sonic has the best Sonic ice. <laughs> well, pro- probably more so water. You know, if okay. there's any content or if there's any flavoring in that water, it, nope. Um, but so we stop and she's like, look, babe, this will fit in the cup holder. Cause I'm used to her massive jug of water bouncing all around the cars. I'm driving around, you know, I got this little thing next to me and like a little place where you can set things and it's rolling around. 
So that's, you know, they that's one of the features they added was like, this is now a massive 40 ounce cup that will fit in your cup holder. So yes, they, they have modernized, but has the technology changed much? I don't think so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that just shows the importance of figuring out a marketing strategy and making sure that your product is as good as it is, or it looks as good as it is. You know, and it's something honestly, it's, I can't say, I don't think about just small business owner. If you like to eat, you have to think about these things. Um, but it's still hard to think about. It's like, that really is a huge part of whatever you do is how it's perceived. And then do you deliver on what that perception was? The moment you don't deliver on that perception, you lose. Yeah. That's it. And so it sounds like they're able to deliver on it, but none of the technology changed. So it's just funny that, man, they could have been sitting, obviously they, they uh, are reaping the benefits of the gold mine right now, but uh, like they could have been sitting on a gold mine for God knows how long. Yeah, I just wonder how many, how many other of our customers that we work with, or just folks listening to pockets, like how many of us are sitting on a gold mine and have an idea if we could just tweak it one or two small ways, like just add the paper bottom, get the right marketing campaign. I know those the right marketing campaign things still tough, but yeah, that's a whole other. I was about to say podcast. That's a whole other. I don't know series of podcasts. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think it's just more about picking a focus or picking a demographic and you know driving at home and at, yeah. once you build that brand then you have you know you have people that are willing to stick with it you know until the next thing comes along but <laughs> i yeah there's just a whole stream of lessons to be learned and, I, and you know that that the terrence riley i i was blown away to find out that the same guy i was like how could somebody be that good at marketing Jeez. like crocs and stanley cups yeah anyway well the crocs thing blows me away because i just can't whatever i'm probably going to get hate mail over this but like i can't even stand the look of those things i tried putting them on once i'm like oh gosh no either let me be barefoot or not i don't like feeling like a boat well i mean i think people that i i don't think people care you know like people know they're not the most uh i hate to say ugly but you know they're, they're pretty ugly I mean, yeah. and you've had the 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 shoes like the UGG boots, who literally, you know, have UGG in the name. I don't know if it's supposed <laughs> to go for ugly, but I, people knew that those things weren't attractive, you know, yeah. or at least I think they knew that. Um, and it's not like they were like, "Oh, don't make fun of my cool shoes. These are the cool." Like it was more like, "Oh, I like these shoes. They're kind of cheap. They're comfortable. I get to put these little pins on them and stuff." Like, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just. It's crazy. The way people interact with products is, uh, well, it's just not the way I'd expect they would sometimes. But I guess that's why I'm an IT guy and quality guy. And like, I'm just about as hardcore of a geek as you can get in a lot of ways. So maybe I have a hard time seeing these things. Yeah, no, it, it definitely takes a different perspective. And like you just said with the software, you know, if, if you're involved with it on a day-to-day basis, you have to get an outside opinion. Um, you know, you have to have somebody come in and be like, look, as somebody that's not involved in the manufacturing process of this, what do you think? Like what, what, what crosses your mind when you see this product does quality cross your mind or, you know, like what's your perception? So you have to get an outside opinion. Um, 
know if that's a good point. So, like, I'm thinking about, you know, so many of uh, our customers, and I used to do it, you know, myself when I was quality manager, is every time we ship something, man, we're taking pictures of it. We're taking pictures, taking pictures, taking pictures, taking pictures. Because you want to make sure you document the condition of it before it left. Because you can't control what the hotshot does or what the delivery company does or whatever. Or what the guys on the other end unloading the product. And so you always take pictures from a, a CYA um, standpoint. But just step back and look at it. Yeah. Just imagine the CEO of the company happens to be walking around as this product's being unloaded. Is he going to look at this and go... Okay, good, good, good. I like it. Are you going to get that reaction from it? Yeah. The product might be stored totally secure. I think about like, you know, we used to make crates for a lot of these turbine parts and our shipping and receiving guy, like he did a damn good job. They were sturdy. They were secure. Those parts weren't moving, but yeah, like you look at it and it looks like hodgepodge mix mash, but it's because these parts are weird angles, you know? So, um, and I remember thinking like, that just looks weird. Don't look right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, for people who build larger things that are, you know, shipped, stuff like that, you know, if somebody sees your part on a trailer or, you know, thinking about oil field type stuff, like, mm-hmm. and it's got your company name on it, what are they going to think about that part? Yeah. You know, that, that could be some advertising or let's say you ship your part, you use a carrier, freight carrier, whatever. What if you put your sign on there, you know, that mm-hmm. it makes sure it's secured properly, obviously. But, you know, what if you put your company sign on that's that's free advertising and it's being shipped, yeah. Yeah. you know, just those types of deals like what, you know. Well, and like, you know, give me kind of outside perspective on things like that. It really is something like that's you know, it's probably something more of us should engage in more frequently, I guess. Then the question is, so I'm thinking about it for myself, but as a small business owner, but I know a lot of other small business owners listen to the podcast. Um, let's just look at us. Let's just, let's just pick on us for a minute. So we've got our software, the product we sell, right? Who would we go to outside of hiring a marketing company? Like, who would you think we'd want to holler at? Say, Hey, you use the software. You see the website. What, where do you see that we're not, not right? You you see our marketing material. You see how we, we present this. Yep. Who would be a good person to take a look at it and say, hey, like, will we go to one of our customers? Will we maybe oh, yeah. go to, like, who would you go to? What questions might you ask? Yeah, and that's definitely, I mean, that's a major part of of quality is customer feedback. It and is. Maybe, though, that that's not something that people are considering. You may mm-hmm. be asking, hey, does it work good? Are you happy? But mm-hmm. you might need to go a step further and be like, do we fulfill, you know, what we yeah. mark, what we hold ourselves out as? You know, this is really honestly, man. I'm like, this up. like, I won't lie. We say so you want to talk about Stanley Cups. I'm like, really, dude? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna trust you. I'll go with it. I'm glad I did because yeah. you know, this is something I had honest about. I hadn't thought about this very much before. Like, about the most in depth quality I ever, ever look or care <clears throat> is looking on the customer's website. Are they making an explicit claim on the website that their certification body would say, no, 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 you can't do that. But that's really about as deep into it as I go. And I'm not saying I want to take a look at it with an eye of a marketer, but, you know, it's it's a different way of thinking about customer feedback. Like, I've never considered asking customer feed on our customer feedback um, anything related to what their perception of what we would provide was versus what we 
did provide it, that, that word perception. And I think that actually is, is important. And that can be really valuable feedback for the rest of the company. Now, while the marketing side isn't necessarily part of that scope for 9,001 or Q1, it sure can be in, um, sure can be tied in a lot. Hmm. Yeah, give me some stuff to think about. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely, you know, and, and going back to that perception versus the reality, you know, especially if you have a lengthy sell process, maybe you're talking and you've had multiple conversations, hours long is worth of discussion or something like that before the customer even gets to try your product. If they don't get what they had in their head, it's it's going to stop immediately and it's going to leave yeah. a bad taste. And like what, you know, so you have to make sure that. Mm -hmm the perception matches the reality, uh, you know, especially yeah. if you're going to be dealing with the customers that are using your products on a and regular basis. Set the tone for a long time. I mean, it really sets the tone for a long time. And I think everyone's got certain customers that we enjoy working with most and don't enjoy working with sometimes. And we all know how it goes. And um, we all like to blame it and say, oh, that customer is just difficult. But maybe we set the wrong expectations up front. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I think the Stanley Cup things have anything like it's, uh, that, that's fun that, you know, really technology wise hasn't changed it's a couple of small, small features, but nothing they're marketing is incorrect. And it sounds like what is being marketed right now is not how good the cup is. I don't think I've actually, any of the advertising I've seen for it, I don't think it's been how good the cup is. I don't think they want to tell me about the quality of the cup. They I just think put they... it out there. Like this cup is now a status symbol Yep. and they're selling you a status symbol that is also useful yeah yeah and i i think they they've upheld their quality you know since 1913 obviously you got to do something right to be around that long but all it took was that little push you know a different different lens or a different eye on something and the next thing you know you got the most popular product in the world um that's pretty cool so you said we had a question this week oh yes yes let me pull that up real quick so i get these not not terribly often. Usually, just uh, kind of respond to them. Sorry, I should have had this. I had it ready, but then I changed something. Oh come on, where'd it go? Well, now I can't find the email. I have. In just a moment. Here we go. All right. So I won't say the name here because I'm not asking if, if I can do it yet. Well, they had a good question. This is kind of following up on our last podcast episode a little bit, talking about uh, calibration. So, and I think this is, I, I want to share this because I think this is a situation that a lot of folks probably do run into. And I know I used to run into to a similar degree. <clears throat> so again, not sharing the company name here that, you know, not asking if I can do that yet. So um, is when we take a gauge off the production floor to send it to the calibration company, um, it's replaced with a calibrated gauge and the parts verified with a replacement gauge for the swap. Okay. When we take the gauge off the lab shelf for calibration, there's no parts to verify. Right. So often by the time we know about the uh, failed gauge, the parts have already shipped to the customer. So this is kind of the common thing is like you're using a gauge, you identify it's bad, but then you don't know all the 50 different products that were used when it was bad. When did this gauge go bad? So, so as they said here, we don't have any customer complaints due to it being out of calibration. Um, they're looking for a more proactive solution to show uh, confidence in the ship product. Um, she said that she's working, I say, uh, yeah, 
working with accuracy ratio, typically the go-no-go -go gauges are still 10 times more accurate than the ranges uh, they measure when the calibration fails. And the variable gauges like calipers or gauges can be uh, less than one times more accurate. So it's kind of not sure where to go. They've got about 4,000 gauges every week that they're sending out. Like this is a huge workload. So this is this is kind of a, a tough question. We might want to do like a whole podcast episode on something like this. But the, the, the simplest thing that I have done, now this was in a shop that did not have nearly that many gauges. We had several hundred, but not uh, many thousands. Um, we had a spot check process for those variable gauges. Um, have you ever had a spot check system? I, I know you did the uh, CWI stuff. I guess you probably weren't too involved on the dimensional inspection. Yeah, I, I've done some machining too, yeah. And uh, so what we did is we set up a, a master set of gauge blocks in uh, the production, in the office. And then we had another set out on the shop floor that we just kept covered with a uh, like a tarp or something. And what the folks were supposed to do is when they grabbed that, that gauge, if they grabbed it from the shop floor, they would do the spot check on the shop floor. If they grabbed it from the lab or the office, they do the spot check in the office because there might be a 30 or 40 degree temperature difference. Yeah. Um, in the spot check, we trained everyone on how to do the spot check. We had everyone do a spot check for us. And eventually this just came, became part of their like new employee onboarding training and whatnot. Everyone yeah. had to do a spot check. So you had to prove to me that you can check your gauges accurate. If your gauge is off, you report it right then, turn it in, and move. We also um, required that they do the spot check only for documented inspections. And I say only for documented inspection because, you know, in a welder, how many times during your, your table are you checking something just to check it? Yeah. Like a thousand times over. But <laughs> yeah. are you Hopefully. making... Um, <laughs> You're not making uh, just final decisions on that. You're just working it. Check inside where I want. Yes, where I want. Uh, check. Yeah, check. Um, but those aren't your final documented inspections that we're making pass-fail decisions on. So once it's a documented inspection or a go-no-go -no -go situation, well, then we do it with the device that we did a spot check on. Um, so maybe a spot check process would be good here. But And so it says you know 4,000 devices every week that they're sending out, like, this is an enormous volume of devices. I, I yeah. just, the spot check process may not be may not be practical as a control here. Although I I would never argue against spot check. Like that gun, if I'm going to use a gauge, I want to check it before I use it. But what are your thoughts? You got any other suggestions on what they can do here? Because I mean. That is a tough question. Yeah. And I, I think it really just, uh, it, it's going to take some reflection and I'm not trying to like dodge the question, but like, I think that that's where the importance of like inspection test plans come in because you go through these, you know, you talk about go, no go situations and critical hold points and that kind of thing. Like you identify spots of like, okay, if this is wrong, it's catastrophic, you know, yeah. we forward until we're absolutely sure. Hmm. I think the question had a little bit to do with like, okay, well, what if the way that we check that we make sure it's catastrophic goes bad and then we re realize that, I mean, maybe it wasn't to that level, but if one of your measuring tools is, you come to find out is not accurate due to whatever hmm. reason, wear and tear, or maybe it wasn't calibrated property, properly, that's where, again, an inspection test plan, like, do you document which measuring tools you use for each inspection? Correct. 
because if it's so not you, cool, could, you could have it so that let's say we did have and assume if they've got this many gauges and stuff there are certain measurements that really are critical yeah you could have a separate set of gauges that are used for that like this inspection area this particular inspection we're not using the tool that you've got at your toolbox screw yeah. that you're yeah. using a specific set of tools for it and it's going to be documented that this set of tools was used for this inspection that yeah. way if something does happen we can say okay this is this is what the products checked we need yeah. you guys to take a look or we'll come out and take a look yeah. um you know we can and she talked about the accuracy difference there so what do you think about this is let's say that you get a gauge back we'll just say it's a caliper just to keep life simple and caliper's off by a hundredth but you've got a tolerance of 300 so i don't know i'm just using simple basic loose numbers here right so you got to be plus or minus 300 but the caliper was off by well, two hundredths and the caliper was made to be plus or minus one so it's definitely out of calibration but it's still within your tolerance so then you have to make the decision and i think these folks are in the automotive industry so they have some very specific requirements for notification for failed devices yeah but you could issue a non-forms report stating this device was off by this much and you know none of the measurements that it it takes ever require that that um that high of a tolerance so i think with this many devices you probably would have to start to really be careful about which devices get used in which areas um man that's a, that's a tough one this might be a little more fun to talk about in detail yeah well so another thing is that that, that kind of reminded me of as as an inspector a lot of my job, and, and this is kind of some people like don't understand, is like, I'm not here to tell you what to do if something's bad. I'm just here to tell you it's bad. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not my decision on what, you know, unless you've got predefined repair um, uh, procedures and stuff like that. It's not my decision to be like, oh, this is how you need to fix it. I mean, there's some welding yeah. stuff you could, you could call on the spot. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's a luxury to be able or not a luxury. It's a it's a good thing to be able to be like, no, you got to go ask an engineer. Like that's an engineering mm -hmm. question and mm -hmm. engineering encompasses quality. But if you're talking about on an inspector level, they shouldn't yeah. be making those types of decisions to where it's like, do I use my judgment on tolerances? You know, like, I think, I think that's an engineering question. Yeah. So this would definitely, <laughs> I think uh, we're trying to solve a big problem in five minutes. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spot check implementation of a spot check process would be helpful here, but I think that's helpful. Yeah. Regardless. That really teaches guys on the man i used to hate it too like they describe with the same caliper they just spent half their paycheck on it the snap on truck i'm like why are you scribing with this <laughs> right uh but it really did teach our uh, welders to take better care of the tools when they had to go spot check their own stuff and realize that they screwed up their own tool really yep. easy to the last guy did it yeah. Um, so spot check process, I think it'd probably be good to identify really which one of these measurements are critical. Um, kind of like we do with a, a corrective action. So similar process. If you have a customer complaint, our recommendation, generally speaking, document a customer complaint with a non-conformance report and is to be strongly considered for issuance of a CAPA. If you don't issue a CAPA, justify why you didn't. It might need to be something similar here of, cool, we had a gauge fail. Every gauge failure is automatic, you know, consideration 
for what other parts were bad, when did this go wrong, so on and so forth. That spot check, though, would prevent you from having to go very far back. Yes. He did a spot check today. He did a spot check. You know the last time it was good. Yep. Um, That's a good point, too. Spot check, identify critical points, issue a non-conformance report, and either say, hey, we have to go back and check all of these other parts, or we can say, no, we have confidence because of XYZ processes and accuracy, and you can justify why it's good. Yeah. I I didn't even think about it that way of of using that um, periodic check is like, okay, we knew it was good this point, you know, so let's, let's look at everything that shipped since that last check. I mean, that's, that's a perfect, perfect way of handling that. And as long as that guy's trained on how to do it. So, okay, that could be a fun solution. Well, no, this has been a fun topic. This has been a real fun kind of topic to, to jump into, but yeah, I really like, and of course, we'd love to hear any feedback for quality managers or other people that may have been, you know, in that position or something, what they, how they handled it. So, yeah, don't let us know because I, I am, I've never had to deal with that many devices. I'm, uh, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a new world for me there. But no, this is fun. So, no, Caleb, thanks, man, for bringing up the uh, topic on the Stanley Cups. Like I say, this is something that I never would have picked, but this is really an eye opening topic. Does your product have the quality perception of, you know, how good the quality actually is? You know, yeah, are, you, I mean, are you marketing yourself good? How many customer issues could you be having simply because your customer's perception of what and how you do things is different? Yep. So, it's a really eye-opening topic. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, that is it for today's episode. So definitely thank you for sticking along and uh, listening. If you have not yet, please be certain to like, subscribe, and share. I know we all say that on all of these channels, but like it really does have an impact. It really helps us out. It does a lot for us. So if you appreciate what we're doing, subscribe, share. And uh, if you have any questions, send them in. We'd love to address more of these questions on air. I usually always just answer them and send the responses back, but I think this might be something fun to do. So with that, you guys have a, a great day and we will talk to you soon.